Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the first week one of the awesome.com NFL on the contrary show. I'm Dave Lochran. Joined with me, as always, the number one ranked DFS player in the world, Alex Baker. You know him as Awesomeo. And coming back to help us kick off the season in a big way. We missed him. You missed him. We all love him. Chris Spaggs. Hit him up on Twitter if you're not doing so already, at Chris Spaggs. And check out the Splash Play pod. That's what Spaggs is doing right now. He decided we weren't good enough for him, but also that he <laughs> loves us enough to come back and join us for week one. Boys, I'm glad to be back. We're less than 24 hours away from week one kickoff. I don't count Thursday Night Football, although that was fun. Spags, really happy to have you with us. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing before we get kicked off here. You know, I appreciate all you guys having me back. And, uh, of course, a couple weeks ago, I had a fond farewell for Osmo to leave for an exciting new job and only to have that job ripped out of my clutches a week later. That's hard, so that's, so that's the big update that you can find that I don't want to talk about uh, too much publicly. But, yeah, Splash Play was a thing that Pete Overs at and I, uh, Pete, you might see, has been grinding on Twitter pretty much all quarantine, doing streams for best ball drafts, which, of course, uh, Osmo doing a ton of stuff with as well. And, um, yeah, it was just an opportunity to do something different right now while, while getting a little bit of, of a financial relief from that situation. So, you know, I, you guys know Osmo knows better. Alex is better than anybody. Sometimes you just want to give it a shot to start your own thing and see how it goes. A little bit of, of we're trying to accomplish for Splash Play where um, I had no idea the Fantasy Footballers podcast is as big as it was. So we're trying to steal 1% of their money would be the goal for Splash Play. But <laughs> we'll follow it and do all that stuff. Subscribe on YouTube. That's a big one. Yeah, subscribe. Check them out on YouTube. Check the podcast out. It's good. I listened to some of it today, actually. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, hey, I wasn't going to bring up what I wasn't going to bring up that debacle. You brought it up. Well, I'm all candor all the time. You guys know that from hours <laughs> of streams with me. So that's all I have to me. But it's, you know, that's life. It's 2020. If I feel like you got to be prepared for the worst and it could always be worse. So that's, you'd be, uh, a, that's bad poli- you'd be a bad politician, Spags. <laughs> that's true. I, I need to put on my red tie and have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a compliment. Uh, Alex Baker at Awesome DFS, A-W-E-S-E-M-O-D-F-S on Twitter. Alex, how you feeling, man? We got the projections. We got ownership, top sto- top stacks tool about to drop tonight. Everything, The pieces are coming together. It feels good. I know, man. Like week one, it's always crazy because you like know the least about what's going to happen. But the contests are the biggest with like the biggest prizes. So it's always a lot of fun. This year, if you've been following the channel, you know, we've been putting up a ton of season long content. And I feel like that's really helped us prepare for week one and kind of figure out 
what are the moving pieces. So I'm hoping that we can take all that knowledge and apply it to this week and win some money. Well, we're happy to have all of you guys with us. Guess what? Everyone's saying bring back Spags to Awesome O. <laughs> Man, you got to feel good about that, right? You got to feel good about that, Spags. Justin Swearingen hit us with a 999 super chat. Appreciate you, Justin. It's not going to Spags, but <laughs> we appreciate it nonetheless. And uh, Swearingen, uh, one of the greatest shows ever, Deadwood, and one of the greatest characters. Probably no relation, but I love it. Yeah, Spags, it's got to feel good, man. You got a lot of support and a lot of love here. I mean, honestly, the farewell show we did was really probably the nicest thing in my career. I think that's ever happened, both, you know, being on camera and in terms of just actual jobs. It was a really great moment for me. And I, uh, you know, Tom was DMing. Of course, Tom, the CEO of Osmo, is taking many of your guys' money in the NBA slates across uh, all the bubble time that we've had. But, um, you know, it's it's always home for me. And, and it's great watching all the content, though. I do have to give one bone to pick here. I, f- I feel like Osmo is moving away from being a backwards hat company to a guy with glasses company, which I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That kind of <laughs> I refuse to let that happen. Yeah. Adam Sher now just comes in with a shaved head. He's got this fat necklace on. He's trying to change the game up over here. I won't allow it to happen. He looks like but... a baseball player with that that shade that he's had recently. <laughs> We're happy to have you guys with us. You know that. We're really excited to be doing this show, and uh, I'm excited to, to take over. Spags, I would have loved to have had you hosting this. We know that. And it would give me Saturdays off. It would have been a win-win as well, you know? But, uh, no, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun throughout the season. We're going to have a lot of great guests coming on on the contrary. We're probably going to move this to 2 Eastern time next week, so pay attention to that. And, of course, before we kick this off, which we're about to do right now, hit that thumbs-up up button. It helps us a ton. Smash that like, as they say. <laughs> Uh, helps us get more eyes on these ch- on the channel, on the videos, so we can keep putting out free content that you guys love. All right, boys, let's jump right into it. We got so much to talk about today. We're not going to get through, if we get through everything, full comprehensive breakdown for every single game, it's going to take us hours. So I think we've set this up to make sure that we can provide you guys with the best information possible to put you in a good position heading into tomorrow. We'll have the deeper dive in the morning. We're going to have live before lock. So we're going to have everything leading up to lock. But I think this is a good prep uh, to, to get you started. So, Alex, you are, as we know, the best DFS player out there. So the first question I want to know for you, and by the way, this is not a cash game show, for those of you wondering. This is you're going to know what the cash games are because when we talk about chalk or the cash game plays, those are going to be the, the plays that, generally speaking, are getting a ton of ownership. Uh, in, in cash games and in tournaments, but you don't have to worry about fading them as much. We want to talk about more contrarian aspects, ways to win tournaments here. Uh, and we've got one of the best guys to do it and a great analyst in Spags as well. So what makes a good contrarian play in, in the NFL and why is it so important, Alex? For week one, let's start with that and then dive into some of these games. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that uh, usually the chalk plays are, are kind of driven by the price. Uh, like either a, pl- a player is like so good that uh, like Christian McCaffrey that like, you know, they're going to break the slate so often that you need to have them in your lineups. Or, uh, I mean, if you have a guy that's expensive but not quite as good, then like if you're choosing between uh, two players and one's better at the same price, you're going to go to that player. But we all know that in football, like touchdowns create so much variance that any week could be any of the guys' days. 
Then you throw in games, games having certain game flows that are very difficult to predict, and that creates a recipe where maybe what you think is going to happen isn't going to happen as much as you think. And that's why going contrarian and trying to play a lineup that's a lot different than anyone else can win you a million dollars. Yeah, and Spags, with week one, we know there's an excessive amount of volatility and unpredictability, which is why I was... I was oddly excited for this show and you and I actually talked a little bit beforehand. I always, if we have a guest, I always want to ask him, Hey, are there any things that you specifically want to talk about? And yet a couple of games that you threw out there that, that I'm also pretty enticed by as well, or at least they're fascinated by, but on a week like this, uh, getting away from chalk in any week can be beneficial, but in week one where there's so many question marks, so many variables that we don't have answers to, uh, and, and just simply so much unknown in uh, uh, throughout the landscape of NFL. There's no better time to do a show like this where we can talk about spots that are not getting nearly as much attention or coverage, but might be better than some of these super chalk spots that people are using last year's data to jump onto. Yeah, I think that was the big lesson for me. And you can even see it in the chat. And, you know, and I, this is always something where I look at the chat when, when doing shows. And, you know, like, and I, sometimes people have takes in there where, you're, where you just really want to hit yourself. But um, this is one where I'm not trying to be mean, but somebody pointing out Robert Tanya, and I just lost the chat in front of me, um, you know, in the chat talking about how oh, it's Douglas Ryan in the, in the YouTube chat saying like, oh, he's a great play at 2,500. And you make these assumptions sometimes. And I think it was really the hardest part of my brain to rewire going from being a casual player to hosting these streams for the last few years is that you get so excited about either this guy being so cheap, like Alex mentioned, or this other guy who's a rookie coming in. Like if Clyde Edwards Hilaire were on the main slate, like he was great in showdown. If he were on the main slate, he probably wouldn't have won you a lot because he would have been very highly owned. And he also wasn't getting the passes that people expected. So I think that to me is sort of the main lesson is like you can fall in love with these plays all you want. You can fall in love with some things. Uh, Lofty hinted at one team. I, I fell in love with Carolina this offseason. I'm really intrigued by them. And I, but I have to know that they could easily disappoint. They could not be uh, the electric offense that Joe Brady had at LSU. And I think that's sort of it is if you know something about the teams that's, you know, that's real, that's much more important than knowing something that is just sort of the media bubble or the hyperbole train or just you working yourself up over something out there. So I think, Alex, the, the one spot that a lot of people are paying quite a bit of attention to this week as we dive into these games uh, is, is Tampa Bay and New Orleans. And this has actually been the, the, the total's been bet down on this game since I last looked. Um, it opened at 49. I, actually, I'm sorry. It opened at 49 and a half, 50 in some spots. It's down to 47 and a half. And I think some of the, the reasoning because of that, uh, likely Mike Evans being doubtful, now questionable. Uh, uh, Lattimore has been phenomenal uh, as a DB for, for the Saints and being able to really curtail Evans' production over the years. Uh, and then just the uncertainty surrounding guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees. I, I know they're some of the best ever. There's no denying that. There's no argument there. But these guys are getting older, and we we have seen their efficiency slip. We have seen their fantasy totals come down a little bit. Uh, it, it's a really interesting spot, knowing that people are always going to gravitate to spots like this, whether it be uh, Godwin and, and Brady and, and Evans, and and particularly on the other side, a team in the Saints who run out two guys that have monster uh, market share of targets but also just soak up so much of the volume in Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. Yeah, I think this game will probably be one of the best to watch because these are two really good football teams. Uh, Tampa Bay, much improved probably with Brady kind of 
bringing a lot of uh, good players to the team kind of just by him being there. So I think that um, whenever you put two good football teams against each other, uh, and these teams both have above-average defenses as well, it kind of makes it not as good for either team as your average week. Um, but we all know that games in the NFL can become shootouts too, in, in which case that having Michael Thomas, having Chris Godwin with Mike Evans probably not playing, you know, like you could easily like amass a ton of fantasy points here. So I think that uh, this could be one of the games of the week to, to hone in on. The one thing I'd mention is that um, some of the some of the aspects of this game, like Tampa Bay, like their running back situation is really hard to predict this week. Pretty much no one is uh, is playable in my opinion. Um, New Orleans, I mean, you got you got all the usual guys. They're just expensive, so I think that uh, it's a good game to, to target, but. The prices probably might drive you to other games. For sure. And Spags, the opportunity cost with somebody like Michael Thomas is very high. Uh, with Alvin Kamara specifically, I, I don't mean to, to harp on this too much, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defense was outstanding last season. And you have someone in Alvin Kamara who obviously uh, can do a ton of damage in the passing game, but how can he? will he, will he be spinning his wheels uh, and stuffed quite often as a rusher, it's hard to say, but people like this game. It's going to be popular. Uh, looking at Odd Shopper right now, uh, oddshopper.awesomo.com. It's so cool, man. You can shop odds from everywhere. Like, I'm looking at Sugarhouse, Bet Rivers, Bet MGM, FanDuel, Points Bet, DraftKings, everything, and finding the best numbers here. Uh, you still have it at 47.5 in a lot of spots, 48 in a couple of other spots. I kind of. Maybe I'm crazy, but I, I liked the under at 49. Even at 48, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that maybe these defenses are better than we're giving them credit for, and this might not be the same shootout that it might have been in 2016. How are you reading this one? I think for me, uh, I have some concerns about the defenses being worse, I think is really my main thing. That's I feel like I, you can kind of go either way, and this is really a guessing game as to whether the lack of preseason, the lack of training camp, or you know, a less functional training camp than usual is going to make the defenses worse or if it's going to make the offenses worse. I think people tend to err on the side of thinking the offenses will be better, and I, I guess we saw it a little bit on the Thursday night game. So I, I don't know. For New Orleans, they were so up and down last year where I would be inclined to think that they might be a little more down to start the year. I'm with you on the Tampa Bay run defense, but we also saw Kamara have a pretty nice game against Tampa Bay last year where they got him involved in the past game. Also, the new contract. I feel like that's that's one of those things that's not covered, um, you know, and not a data point. But him getting paid, you know, that's, that's certainly not a bad thing. But the thing that jumps out for me more, because it's on the contrary, the ownership for Kamara. Like, I don't know that I want Kamara at an ownership level where he's going to be, you know, hovering around 20%. I don't know that I want Godwin either at his price point where he's going to be so expensive and people think he'll get uh, really a lot more production because of Mike Evans not being there rather than, you know, New Orleans just taking Godwin away and forcing Scotty Miller and Justin Watson and the tight ends to beat them. So I think for me, this game, I think it just comes with a lot of risk. And if you are going to take pieces from it, like I might be more inclined to take, besides Michael Thomas, I think I might be inclined to take an Emmanuel Sanders, you know, maybe even take that Scotty Miller stab or the tight ends, you know, Gronk and OJ are going to be running a lot of tight uh, two tight end sets for those guys. But I think for me, you know, a game like this where it's chalky and you also just, you know, the total's not as high as you would think, definitely not as high as like Seattle and Atlanta. Uh, I don't mind just taking some smaller pieces here and hoping that they end up as leverage against some of the higher own guys. Yeah, and Kamara's rushing prop right now, 48 and a half. So Oof. 
you know, it's, it's not particularly impressive. Again, check it out, oddshopper.awesomeo.com, or you can get there through awesomeo.com. It's super cool, man. Like, I use this for everything now to, to get my odds and to shop them. It's, it's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, Alex, if Mike Evans sits, we know that Chris Godwin is going to be super popular. If that's the case, because we've, we're already seeing it in projected ownership for, say, Marvin Jones Jr., right? Kenny Galladay unlikely to play. Marvin Jones he has seen his ownership come up a lot. You're going to get that with, with Godwin. There's no doubt about it, particularly in a, in a popular game like this. Uh, is that a spot that you would be hammering, or would you get away from it if Evans is out? Um, I think, uh, I mean, anytime you have a receiver that's going to project for close to 100 yards, they can easily go out and break the slate. I mean, we see it every year, like, uh, half the week's probably a receiver is getting 40 points plus, and that's definitely possible with Godwin here. So he's a guy I'll definitely have. Uh, as you mentioned, opportunity cost is big. There's a lot of great players playing this week, so not mandatory by any means. But uh, one thing I want to point out about this game is Tom Brady. I feel like people might be down on Tom Brady after last year because statistically he really had a bad year. But uh, a lot of that, the New England receivers were just, like, really bad. So I'm thinking that in Tampa, maybe he could be a fantasy asset again. Okay. You have anything else from this one, Spags? I mean, I agree with Alex there that Tom Brady is under 5% ownership, given what we've heard about him all offseason. He's also one of very few quarterbacks, at least that we very much know, was running practices with his guys, you know, to the point of getting yelled at by the state and local local government so <laughs> full credit to him there um and he of course has the tb12 secret that's an important part to keep in mind too but i just feel like you know if we're gonna have godwin be that chalky like i would rather try to get a stack if you're gonna make this be a, a pay up to be contrarian stack like go go full stack then don't just take godwin because he's gonna be highly owned and expensive and and could bust but at least you know if he does go off then um getting tom brady in there does seem like it'll get you away from a lot of the field and i know one spot spags that you were worried about coming into this slate coming into today's show uh, is T.Y. Hilton in this Indiana, Indianapolis Colts-Jacksonville Jaguars game. You know, there's a lot of reasons to expect the Colts to run all over the Jaguars, right? Um, Ngakwe and, and Calais Campbell are both gone. The run defense was already struggling. It's going to be brutally bad this season. Their defense is going to be just <coughs> treacherous. I, I don't see any way their defense is good. All they did was get rid of guys and bring nobody else on of you know that has any real merit in, in the NFL at NFL level, uh, there's they're eight point dogs, the Jaguars getting eight points. It opened at seven, got a 45 total. But T.Y. Hilton right now is garnering a lot of ownership. And, you know, before the, the Kenny Galladay news came out uh, and before the Mike Evans doubtful news came out, T.Y. Hilton was one of the highest projected owned receivers. And now behind Michael Thomas, Marvin Jones, Chris Godwin, and then Devontae Adams, uh, he's, I think he's like top five in ownership. It feels like a game that the reason it concerns me is it feels like a game where Marlon Mack and or Jonathan Taylor could go off and Frank Reich just runs the hell out of the football. And I'd love to target this run uh, game as opposed to a chalky T.Y. Hilton. The problem here is we have to get not only the fact that they do the damage on the ground right, but we also have to get the fact right of who is it going to be, Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor? You have to you have to nail both of them to get this right. Yeah, I think Marlon Mack is an interesting play, and I know he's probably not 
you know, a play that I, I think Alex would value too much because he's not a pass catcher. That definitely comes with some risk. But at the touchdown, I mean, a, a 26.5 implied point total for Indianapolis is pretty high. It's also hard for me to see, you know, like the running part is the scary part, I think, in terms of taking the production away. For the receivers, like who's really going to take production away from T.Y. Hilton? And especially given Philip Rivers was throwing the ball deep at a, good, at a pretty high clip last year, he wasn't good at it. Uh, but Frank Reich, I think, is good enough coach to correct some of those flaws. Like T.Y. Hilton at 15%, that feels about right to me, where I think I'll still be above the field in, in an appreciable way. But if that number does come back up in the final run of ownership, which is always so great for Osmo at Osmo.com, of course, when you get that Osmo Plus membership, uh, they get more accurate as they go. So for that final hour before, if T.Y. is at 20%, I might start to go away. But if he comes down to 10, like I feel really good about that because his price is good he's gonna be as healthy as he'll be all year and rivers likes to throw deep so i think this game is sneaky all around and philip rivers too odd shopper off Lafayette was talking about earlier odd shopper.osmo.com a 1.5 touchdown prop there for philip rivers like if you're playing ty hilton i think that's one you definitely want to take because i think this is kind of the moment rivers has been waiting for being able to gun having a competent offensive line having a competent coach for for quarterbacks you know i think is an important part for him and um, Rivers, I like a lot for props and for DFS. For sure. Marlon Mack, 54-and-a-half prop on this one. Um, Alex, you and, and actually Spags noted this at the top of the show, you've made a lot of your money being different from the field and knowing exactly where to go. It's, it's your, I would say it's your greatest skill set when it comes to DFS, and I think something that we all envy when it comes to the, the amount of success that you've had with it uh, because you're, you're, you've been spectacular with finding spots that other people aren't getting to. Uh, and, and, and identifying guys that have high ceilings that are in spots where, hey, I want a piece of this team. I expect them to score a lot of points. I just maybe want to get away from the guys that everyone else expects to, to do the production or to have the production. What are you doing with the Colts, uh, and, and are you going to have any pieces of the run game? I know you're a huge T.Y. Hilton guy this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of disappointed the Colts have such a, a good match of versus Jacksonville this week, making them the chalk because I was going to pick them regardless, probably. But I do really like targeting this game in DFS. It's probably my favorite game of the week to target. I just think um, there, there's so many good factors. Jacksonville's defense is bad, like you guys mentioned. Um, I think people are underrating Philip Rivers and what he's going to do this year because last year, Andrew Luck and the, the Colts were like Super Bowl favorites before Luck retired in the, right before the season. And now you plug Philip Rivers in there. Philip Rivers and Luck are, are somewhat comparable. Maybe like a little bit overrated. Rivers a little underrated. Um, I just think uh, going from Brissette to Rivers, they're going to shift more to a passing offense. And there's going to be a lot of production to go around. And I also like the Jacksonville side this week. So the guys I'm targeting in this game the most probably um, – as you guys mentioned, I like being a little contrarian. So Paris Campbell is a guy that last year he wasn't good. Now he's kind of uh, not facing a lot of competition for snaps. But we did see McCole Hardman kind of be the hyped-up uh, guy on Thursday. It's not going to pan out every time. <laughs> 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The other guy I'm really looking at is James Robinson for Jacksonville. This is a matter of opportunity on that one because Rockwell Armstead was supposed to be the starter after the release of Fournette. He got sent on the COVID list. Then it was Divine Ozigbo. He's on the IR now. Now they only have... Robinson, Chris Thompson, and Dare Ogunbowale. And Thompson and, and Dare are both pass catching backs. So I think that Robinson is just going to be my value play of the week. Okay. Yeah, this is a, an interesting spot for Jacksonville. By the way, Miles Sanders is out. This Eagles medical oh. staff. I, don't, don't get me started on this shit. Man. Uh, Boston Scott, now, if, you, if you're talking chalk, there you have it. <laughs> Uh, I would assume that he's probably going to shoot to the top uh, as the highest stone. Uh, how much is he on DraftKings? He's got to be fourth. He's uh, 4,800, actually. I thought he'd be 4,000 uh, flat, but he's 4,800. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, still. Uh, Spags, let me, let me uh, expand on a little bit of what Alex was saying here because, and, and I really want to, to nail this down. I think Indy Jacksonville is going to be one of the most important games on this slate, just given the ownership right now. Uh, and by the way, people in chat, man, some people just hate Phillip Rivers. <laughs> he threw a lot of picks, I know. But he also threw 4,600 yards last year uh, in, in an offense where he was forced to throw a lot more. I'm actually of the perception that they aren't going to throw that much more than last year because Phillip Rivers won't need to. But I'm hoping that, that it's going to be more of a luxury and a little bit easier and be more efficient uh, in this Frank Ray offense. But on the other side, if I'm running it back, DJ Shark to me is very interesting for a couple of reasons, Spags, and, and I want to hear your take on this Jacksonville team. He's getting around 5% ownership right now, and he's probably going to see a lot of Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes is not the guy he was a few years ago. As a matter of fact, he was graded as one of the worst cornerbacks in the league last season, and now he comes to Indy. I think DJ Shark, especially in a game where they're getting eight points, where they're likely going to be playing from behind – uh, could be a really solid runback option if you're willing to to pay a little bit for him. What are you doing with the Jags? I, I love Chark, and I think too I might be a little more bullish on Chris Thompson. Like I agree with Osmo's take about James Robinson. Um, I don't know why all of a sudden like I'm doing I'm not doing shows for a little bit. And I'm calling Alex Osmo again. <laughs> 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 there. But Alex's take about James Robinson, I agree. But Chris Thompson, you know, Jay Gruden is the offensive coordinator for Jacksonville now. We saw when Chris Thompson was healthy last year, he loved feeding that guy routes, feeding him targets in the in the short game. And I think at a minimum price on DraftKings, Thompson's there. But DJ Chark, we actually talked about it for for splash play with Pete. We made fun of 
uh, you know, kind of the, the our guys thing that every fantasy analyst did this year where you're putting your flag in, in these guys who you think are so great. And for me, DJ Chark was one of those guys. He was targeted at such a high clip per route last year, was getting almost two deep targets a game, deep targets being over 20 plus yards. Um, you know, Minshew's going to have to throw a lot because of what Laffey mentioned earlier with that defense being so bad. Like, I think they're tanking straight away. I think they're going to have to throw a lot. They're going to be trailing in pretty much every game for teams who run or pass. So Chark to me is a really sneaky play. And um, and I think, too, Chris Thompson, you know, for running back value, he's going to be under 10% ownership, uh, maybe a little higher than you'd like to see. But I think those guys are very much ones I would want here. And I don't mind the Minshew stack, even though you know, he really wasn't that great last year. Uh, he's got a little too much love, I think, from touts uh, going into the, the season this year. But if they're going to be behind, it doesn't matter. The volume's a thing. Yeah, and I'm with you on Thompson. Leonard Fournette saw 76 uh, targets last year. That was north of five per game. Now, that might not seem like much, but someone like Leonard Fournette is, is not a particularly good pass catching back. He wasn't efficient with it, but he gave you those numbers each week that was enough to put him over the top because he only found the end zone three times. Chris Thompson is a uh, exceptionally skilled pass catching back. If you're playing from behind, this might be a spot where, assuming you can't get it going on the ground, and, and by the way, the Colts' offensive line is so good that they're going to be able to do whatever they want. They will be able to impose their will upon Jacksonville. Uh, I think Thompson definitely could find himself in a situation where they've got him out there and, and, and use him quite a bit. So Shark and Thompson, two guys to me that I think are really interesting this week. Chris Thompson currently getting around 6% ownership, and uh, I, I think that makes sense. If we were to move on, Alex, to the next one, uh, another, I won't say any game is massive chalk this week, but Seattle and Atlanta, especially once we get this top stack tool updated here at awesomeo.com, I can't wait to see what it looks like. Seattle and Atlanta is going to be one of the chalkier games of the week. It's got the highest total right now at 49. Um, and ultimately, Matt Ryan attempted more passes per game than, than any quarterback last season. You have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley going into his third year, who's been a touchdown monster. Hayden Hurst, who they're looking to have supplant Austin Hooper's production now that he's in Cleveland. Uh, and then bringing Todd Gurley in, a guy that you either love or hate going into week one. And then on the opposite side, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two outstanding wide receivers, and Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You can even throw Chris Carson into the mix if you want. So ultimately... From top to bottom, this game has a lot of ways to stack, and I think people are going are, are already obviously identifying that. Definitely. I mean, Atlanta, I remember last year, like pretty much every week they were towards the top of my top stacks because they just throw out such a ridiculous rate. Um, I, game script neutral, they threw about 66% of the time last year. Most teams are around 60%, and that just increases their upside as a stack a lot. And you got to think in a, in a situation where they're underdog versus Seattle, their game script could be pretty good. So I really like the, the Julio, Matt Ryan, uh, Ridley's definitely in play. And Gurley, Gurley Hurst, I mean, like, who's not to like in this, really? Hayden Hurst especially looks cheap. 4300 on DraftKings, 5300 on FanDuel. If you can do about two-thirds of what Austin Hooper was doing, then he's a really good value. Um, and then Seattle, it's still a little tougher to, to play players from, but uh, I do like Lockett and Metcalf as running back options. Chris Carson, he's really expensive this week for a guy that doesn't catch passes, so that that's definitely something that's uh, 
moving me away from him, but who who are you guys targeting in this one? Yeah, go ahead, Spags. It's all you. I, so I love Hayden Hurst, and I think he's one of these guys. I mean, it worries me his ownership is coming up, I think, as just a pivot to the chalky ownership that uh, Osmo has projected for uh, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Both those guys going to be in the 15% range, which is really high, along with but Matt Ryan, who was fantastic last year, so you really can't argue it. Um, but Hurst, to me, I just think he's – I think he is very capable of filling that Austin Hooper role. I think, too, we saw him get a pretty good target per route number in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Matt Ryan certainly targets his tight ends a bit more. I mean, guys like Jaden Graham last year even had decent days. So I do think Hurst is, is pretty sneaky relative to this game you know, being a shootout. That said, there's just nothing sneaky about this game, and that's sort of what scares me if you were to stack it heavily, where you're like, yeah, I think that Julio is a better chance of – you know, hitting 4x value than his ownership but it's by a very narrow margin same thing for ridley same thing for matt ryan like you know it gets to a point where i do think the margins narrow up a bit wouldn't shock me if this game is the one you had to have but it's just so highly owned that i really don't know how you get different in a meaningful way if even hayden hearse is going to be 10 percent owned like i just don't see how you can get here and not to be riding with a lot of people do you think hearse can fill the void for a near 100 target tight end last year in Austin Hooper who took nearly three years to, to really develop with with Matt Ryan because Hurst is also going into his third year he's finally on a team that doesn't have a stable of tight ends that he's competing for snaps and targets with uh, and, and it's also a, an interesting spot Spags because you expect man coverage from the Seattle defense something in limited opportunities that Hurst has actually really been successful against I don't dis- I don't really disagree with you here uh, is Hurst getting ownership right now yeah, we have him. Uh, or, oh, I'm so used to that. That made me sad. <laughs> Osimo Plus has him at just under 10%. You're allowed to, you're allowed to say we just for today. You know? Okay, I'll say we then. So I'll, I'll be like a fan rooting for a team now and I'll say we. <laughs> but under 10%, you know, it, it's still like it's not high, but it's certainly high enough that it scares me. But yeah, I agree. Like the numbers all look good. And, and you know, no disrespect to Lamar Jackson, who of course is the MVP for very good reason. But Matt Ryan's a much more accurate thrower who needs a tight end to take that pressure release. And I think that's sort of where Hurst gets his value. Yeah, the other side of this one, do we just continue to roll with with Lockett and, and with Metcalf? And, uh, or, or do we have a preference as far as Matt Ryan goes or, or, or Russell Wilson on the other side of this game? Alex, uh, you mentioned that Chris Carson lacks the upside as a, as, a, as a pass catcher. And that hurts, especially if they fall behind, which should not be the case. Anything's possible, but they're laying one and a half points. Uh, honestly, I would have thought, especially with no fans in attendance here, that I, w- I would have honestly thought that the, the, the Seattle Seahawks would be like minus three in this game. But that's not the case. Uh, as it stands right now, Russell Wilson's getting like 6% ownership, and Matt Ryan on the opposite side of this game is coming in around 7%. So not a ton of popularity going to the quarterbacks, but to the pass catchers, Julio, Calvin Ridley, uh, Gurley even at running back, they're all 13-plus percent right now. Metcalf and Lockett are both below 10%. So, uh, and, and as Spags mentioned, 9% to Hayden Hurst. What we're seeing is both t- sides are popular, but Atlanta is definitely overall almost significantly more popular than the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I think Seattle's tough because um, because Carson – uh, he he is a little bit expensive, and that would be an easy way to sack the game. Now, the interesting thing about the Seattle backfield is his backup's Carlos Hyde, another guy that just doesn't excel at catching passes. So maybe Carson will get more targets. I'll have to take a deeper dive later, but it doesn't look like they have really a pass-catching back. 
Um, so that's kind of interesting for Carson. Uh, the thing about the about the stack for Seattle is Wilson doesn't throw a ton. Uh, they threw about 57% last year. But when they did, he averaged more than eight yards per pass. And Atlanta- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This past defense is below average, so uh, if you catch him on a day where Atlanta's putting up points, then that could easily be a, a tournament winner stacking up Mr. Unlimited. Bags, if we work our way to North Carolina and look at this Panthers, uh, o- Oakland, LA, uh, Las Vegas Raiders game, that's going to be a tough. Third time's a charm with getting the team. I, it's, it's just it's so difficult. First it's Wash or first it's the Chargers, then it's Washington. You get the Rams. You get it takes a minute. I'll get there though. Uh, but this game is the one that you said you were most enthusiastic about discussing and, and getting to, and I I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be now. Christian McCaffrey is going to be popular. Even at $10,000 on DraftKings, you're going to be getting a decent amount of ownership, really a lot from him. As a matter of fact, the most popular player in our projections right now, uh, not at his position, but overall. Uh, And then on the other side, Josh Jacobs going up against the Carolina defense. This is where I want you to hone in, Spags, because I think you can provide some good insight here. They've had more turnover than any other team coming into the 2020 season. It's the worst year, I would think, to have a ton of turnover when you can't really develop much synergy um, with, with the pandemic. I think it's like 33% of snaps from last season are returning to this year, which is an insane number. And, yeah, they only drafted defensive players, but you got a lot of young guys. This is a completely revamped defense and a run defense last year that got shredded week after week. Even if they are markedly better than they were last year, they're probably still not going to be great defensively. And even if if I give them the benefit of the doubt and they are, it's so hard for me to believe they're going to gel in week one. So let's kick it off with Jacobs here in the backfield for the Raiders. Jacobs is going to be very highly owned. I think now in the most recent ownership update for Osmo Plus that he's the highest owned player expected on the slate. I mean, that could certainly come down a little bit depending upon Boston Scott. That's, That's going to be a big one. I'm sure that'll change a lot of the ownership around, but... Um, Jacobs is going to be chalky, but I still think he's got a better chance of being a top running back on the week of going against that Carolina defense. Who, as Lafayette mentioned, I mean, they were really bad last year, and that was with Gerald McCoy, a guy who's actually competent and been a star, and Dallas brought in. You expect him to be a game-changer, even though he's hurt now. They gave up over five yards per rush, and yards per rush is not a perfect metric, but if you're giving up that much, it's a very clear sign that you're not good at defending the run. And I would say, too, you know, on the Carolina side, I expect that stack to be really good. But for Josh Jacobs, like for me, he's a guy I'm running back with with my Carolina stacks. I have some concern that, you know, maybe they pass a little more to guys like Renfro and Edwards, who they like than people expect, uh, because I think those guys, you know, Edwards is getting a ton of hype out of camp. I think more than Henry Ruggs. Ruggs is a fast player, too, who can be a deep threat. So I think that's the one way maybe it goes weird. And, and Jacobs isn't a great pass catcher. So maybe Jalen Richard gets those routes and gets a little more work there. But um, if Carolina does put up some points, but I think Jacobs is very deserving chalk and I'll be I'll still be above the field, even if he is going to be 20 percent plus owned. 
I saw something, I read something today that they talked about how Jacobs last year, Alex, was actually getting a little bit of opportunity uh, as a pass catcher early in the season. Then later he hurt his shoulder. He didn't really have a lot. Middle of the year he saw four, five, three targets. You'd love to see him get more involved. But I know in a premium piece that we have, our NFL strategy syllabus, and I will, I refuse to give all of this away. Uh, you know, it's not fair to our, our premium subs at awesome.com, but I do believe you had Josh Jacobs as your cash game lock for week one. Yeah, I mean, like all the factors are really in Jacobs' favor. Um, the matchup versus Carolina, they gave up a lot more running yards per attempt than an average team last year. Uh, you had Las Vegas release a bunch of running backs, so now the only running backs they have besides Jacobs are Jalen Richard and Devontae Booker, which is a little bit peculiar because both of them have mostly been third down backs in their careers. So I'm a little bit interested to see how that turns out. I did catch a snippet from the beat writers that Josh Jacobs was talking about how catching passes was going to be a bigger focus of his this year. I mean, I don't know if that is anything to read into, but that made me a little bit more enthusiastic about Jacobs because that really wasn't how he was utilized in the past. So if that's kind of how they want to use him, that could be really nice. So I think that Jacobs is probably my cash game lock. And uh, he ran for over 20 attempts in six games last year, so I'm not thinking that there's any cap on his workload. Especially against a, a team like the Carolina Panthers. Uh, stick with you for a minute, Alex. I, I know Spags does like the, the Panthers to improve this season. Uh, they do have some really solid weapons on offense, but defensively I think there will still be struggles. Does Josh Jacobs, even in tournaments, stand out as just an elite option because i'm willing to go there even at even at his ownership i honestly don't care i, I think it running back it, you know the op, as you just pointed out with the the amount of carries he saw consistently throughout the year i i just i like knowing that the volume is almost at barring an injury or an insanely unprobable uh, improbable blowout jacob's workload is going to be there you can't say that for pass catchers in this case josh jacobs at his price I, I'll get over the field if he's only coming in at 16 17%, and I'll be very happy about it. How about you? I agree. I think he's just too cheap. I mean, you can pretty much plug him in at any lineup. It's not like a spend-up, so he's just so easy to roster and in such a good spot that definitely uh, someone I will be leaning on this week. Spags, Henry Ruggs, first receiver drafted in the 2020 NFL draft. I think that was a little bit of a surprise to some people, but here he is, and you've got – one of the youngest defenses in Carolina, and then the youngest pass-catching core in in um, in in L Las Vegas with Henry Ruggs and Edwards, and then you've got Renfro. Between those three, you have one year of ex of combined experience. So, which side of this wins out in Week One, and is there fantasy value coming into a spot like this where I think if you're talking about players going under owned, whether it's warranted or not, this is probably one of those spots that we should be discussing. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't love Hunter Renfro, but we saw him have some monster games down the stretch last year. He's not a guy who's going to run a lot after the catch, I think. The athleticism for him is kind of the direct opposite of Ruggs, who's all speed and all able to get around and be able to be that shifty back or that shifty guy, you know, who can catch passes and make something happen. Renfro is not that dude, but he's shown a good rapport for David uh, with Derek Carr. Um, he's done a good job, you know, 
I think overall, relative to what the, he had last year, he wasn't running a ton of routes, but when he was out there, he's getting targeted a good amount. So Renfro, to me, is a guy who jumps out. I'm, I've really been trying to not play too many rookies, so I think for me, like I don't really love Ruggs or or um, Brian Edwards just because I think these guys maybe, you know, we don't really know what we're going to get, and I've, I've fallen into this trap too many times, but I do know with Renfro, we saw it last year in a small sample size, and there's just more time to go around there. No Tyrell Williams out there. Like, you know, even if they don't pass a lot, and they did not pass a lot last year, if Carolina can score, and, I, and that's sort of my, my big stake in the ground this year, is I think they can score. Like, I think you could see production there, though. A Derek Carr stack is just never something you want to do. So how do we attack Carolina? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Here's what I think you <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, I'm trying to tee you up here. I know you wanted to I, talk about this one. I've, I love Teddy Ridgewater, and this is something I didn't expect last year because he was such a non-factor as a Saints quarterback. But you look at the stuff he did well. You know, and I'm actually, you know, I don't want to go spend too much time pulling up exact numbers, but I think it's important to talk about because – uh, my perception of Bridgewater is he was just a short-throwing quarterback. He didn't throw a lot of deep balls when he took over for Breeze when he was out, and he didn't. He threw only 2.3 deep balls a game, uh, but he did have a 57% accuracy number on those, so he's hitting where he had to when he had to throw it. 90 QB rating, that's fine. But in clean pockets, you know, and, and who knows with Carolina how bad they are, 114 QB rating, they've been saying he can throw the deep ball more than people realize. And these guys, like Carolina, if you look at LSU's offense, that's what Joe Brady did. He's the offensive coordinator for the Panthers now. Um, he did a great job getting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the mix, so I think that bodes well for McCaffrey. But those receivers, like Burrow won the, the Heisman, won the national championship because he was taking deep shots over and over and over again. And this has been, Alex knows better than anybody. And on the contrary, this is my one thing that I believe is the thing, is that the deep ball is the three-pointer in the NFL. And the sharpest analysts, the sharpest offensive coordinators out there are saying throw more deep balls. It won't shock me if Bridgewater throws like a Matthew Stafford amount of deep balls here just because you have DJ Moore, you have Robbie Anderson, you have Curtis Samuel. These are all burners who can make something like really dangerous happen. So if Bridgewater wins the Millie this week, I would just say don't be surprised. Okay. And this is why you're just seeing more nickel defense across the, the league, too, because there's there's so much more passing than there was prior to this. And teams are are, are trying to get some run stoppers and, and, and good pass rushers. But they've got to they've got to protect the, the, the deep ball uh, or protect against the deep ball, I should say. Uh, somebody like Henry Ruggs, though, to me, is interesting, Alex, for this reason. One guy's getting no ownership at all. And like I, I would assume a lot of people will disagree with me on this. That's understandable. I'm certainly not saying you should be loading up on this guy in his first game uh, at the NFL level with Derek Carr as his quarterback. But while he has a lot of speed, if you know anything about Henry Ruggs, he can take a five-yard slant to the house. He can take a bubble screen to the house uh, against an inexperienced defense. James Bradbury's gone. Huge loss for Carolina. And Derek Carr is someone who very rarely throws the deep ball. So people might look at Henry Ruggs and say, well, if Derek Carr is unwilling to throw the deep ball, why would I want to go there? Well, it's almost more beneficial to someone like Ruggs who can create yards after the catch against a Carolina team that got hammered on yards after the catch. And I presume the same thing will happen this year. So I get it. It's it's not a sexy pick. It's terrifying. But maybe in some lineups, if you got away from Deshaun Jackson and went to Ruggs, two somewhat similar players, it's not the worst idea to be a little bit different, especially if Deshaun Jackson's ownership skyrockets even more so now that Miles Sanders is out. So, Alex, close this game up for us, and we'll keep it going. We'll move over to the Chargers and Bengals. Yeah, I think that Ruggs is intriguing play for sure. It's interesting because Las Vegas last year, I guess Oakland, they were last year, 
but uh, they they ran the ball uh, in game neutral scripts about forty six percent of the. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Time, so they're a run for a team for sure. But then this year they went out and spent so much draft capital getting Henry Ruggs in the first and then Brian Edwards in the third that maybe that shows that they're they're going for a more pass attack this year. So I, I don't know exactly what to make of that, but Ruggs isn't particularly cheap on DraftKings at 5,100. But FanDuel, he's also 5,100. So I think Ruggs could be a really nice value play on FanDuel. Okay. So... For those of you just joining us, welcome. Let's get that thumbs up to, to over 200. What are we at right now? 116? It's, it, it, you it's guys can make that happen. 200, <laughs> let's do that. Pound that thumbs up. Let's get it moving. While we're at it, uh, for those of you that are new to Awesome Mode, don't know what we have to offer here, uh, there is one very simple way to check out awesomemode.com for basically nothing. And I'm going to tell you how to do that right now because, well, why wouldn't I? We have a promo going right now with the promo code to use at checkout, REDZONE. All one word, R-E-D-Z-O-N-E. You sign up for an Awesome O Plus NFL Weekly Pass, you get 50% off. 50% off the NFL Weekly. So basically, you can come in. It's not not free, but it's pretty close. It's it's an awesome price. You can see exactly what you're getting going into week one. Ownership, player projections, the top stack tool, which is awesome and hugely beneficial the lineup builder all of our premium articles and so much more everything developed by alex baker by awesome number one ranked dfs player in the world we don't slap his name on it, it these are his he, 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 these are his that he uses to win money that we use to also win money and all of our subs use to win money as well you can check the testimonials out you can check the awesome hall of fame board out we've had some amazing wins using this content these tools for all sports but it's specifically for football right now, 50% off when you use the promo code REDZONE. Again, all of our tools, if you want to get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on as well, if you're looking to MME, do multiple lineups, I would definitely recommend that as well. It's good through the 15th. It's good for only three more days. Red Zone, all one word, at checkout, 50% off. That's $7.50 for a full week of Awesome Plus NFL content. Get in there, check it out, and when you do, be sure to jump into our premium Slack chat. Say what's up. We got people talking DFS, sports, betting, you name it, everything, all day long. And a lot of our host analysts, Alex himself, too, answering questions for you guys during office hours. So we'll see you over there. Remember, Red Zone, one word, R-E-D-Z-O-N-E, at checkout, 50% off your first week of Awesome O Plus uh, weekly. All right, Spags, Chargers and Cincinnati. 
I've really spent a ton of time focusing on this game because there's so many different ways it can go. Uh, Cincinnati's another team with a ton of turnover on the defensive end, but they're going to be without um, they're going to be without Geno Atkins, which is a huge, huge loss for them. Sean Williams also out. The Chargers on the other side, though, they're going to be without Mike Pouncey on the offensive line and Derwin James, which is a huge hit uh, in that secondary without him. I don't necessarily know which way this game is going to go, but there is a part of me that feels like you could see a unbelievably sloppy affair, right? Just really bad. Or you could see a game where afterwards there's 55, 60 total points and people are left wondering why they didn't have exposure to this. When you've got Mike Williams out, but Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, and on the other side, Tyler Boyd, uh, Joe Mixon, A.J. Green coming back healthy. There's just a lot of marquee names that can make huge splash plays and really make things happen in tournaments. But will this be the game where we see that happen? Can it shoot out? I think that there's some shoot-up potential. You know, I think, to me, the big question for me is, and this is where my Carolina flag in the round scares me, is what if it's Joe Burrow? Like, what if he's the reason that offense did what it was? And what if he brings that Cincinnati team who passed at a very high clip last year? They just did it terribly because the quarterbacks they had out there weren't good. But do you think the Chargers side is a little bit easier to figure out? We know with Tyrod, you're going to get a guy who's going to throw and probably throw enough to keep Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry happy as well as get, even though he's a mobile quarterback, he's going to still get some easy passes to Eckler. Maybe they'd run him out a little bit deeper than usual because Tyrod's a mobile guy who will run a few times a game. So I think the Chargers side to me is really interesting to stack up. Um, I, you know, I, I do like the idea of stacking a variety of ways here. I didn't know that Mike Williams is officially out, but I've had him right now in some lineups. So I'll probably have to change that around, but um, like going to Tyrod. With be doubt- I'm sorry. He might be doubtful. Spag. Okay. Yeah. I, thought- I, I didn't, I didn't know if I missed the news cause I haven't been now. I don't have to do it for work. I just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? what? No, get- you're, you're right. Now he, I think he was upgraded from doubtful to questionable game time decision. So good catch. Okay. My fault there. I, I don't personally expect him to play, but yeah, I guess we can't rule him out officially yet. Yeah, I mean, he's the deep ball guy. So I think if he's in, you want to get some exposure there, especially if the, you know, the questionable tag is always in every DFS sport that does keep that ownership down. But I think for me, Tyrod is an intriguing player who um, at a nice price point, you know, he's one of the guys I'll have a little bit. I mean, I'll have substantially more than the field because he's projected for about 7% with the Osmo plus ownership. Um, You know, I think he looks great. I think Eckler without Tyrod looks great. I think the charger side, it kind of surprised me to have the low total. And I guess, um, you know, there are probably some things you could point to with, you know, pace of play not being the highest for the Chargers. Maybe that's part of it. But um, I think that this team is going to have some opportunity to do things. Cincinnati side, I worry about a little more, but I think the Chargers are going to have something here that's really valuable that pops out. I just don't know exactly what that's going to be. Great, anal- great analysis by me. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, man. Uh, Terod to Taylor actually isn't as bad a fantasy quarterback as I think people make him out to be. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's actually had some, some, some pretty, I'll say unremarkable, but viable seasons where he is usable in de- certain DFS weeks. Um, Alex, is Terod Taylor viable this week, uh, again, against the Bengals' defense that I don't think any of us anticipate to be very good this year? Uh, and we know that he's got legs. He can use his feet. He's got a lot of weapons. It just feels like a Chargers team that could explode here and most people have too much hesitation cause to rod taylor isn't it, it has that there's kind of a misnomer that he's only a game manager and doesn't do anything else uh what are your thoughts here with with the chargers knowing the amount of weapons they have against the pretty bad or expectedly bad Bengals defense 
Yeah, I like I like Tyrod Taylor uh, as a fantasy player for sure because he adds so much on the ground. Uh, in his two full two last seasons as a starter, he averaged twenty eight and thirty one yards per game, uh, which is twenty eight to thirty one yards more than Philip Rivers. But uh, I think that he's a downgrade for the rest of the team because he is running a significant amount. Those are plays that would have gone to other people otherwise. And I don't think he's going to throw to Austin Eckler as much, being a mobile quarterback. Uh, Rivers pretty much has to bail out to all of his running backs when he's under pressure. Tyrod Taylor probably won't. So I'm a little cool on Eckler this year, and he's expensive this week, so I'm not really feeling it. Um and then I, I think Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry are going to take a hit because of the quarterback change. So that's leading me to play Tyrod himself in cash. And then in tournaments, uh, it's tough because Tyrod's such a good play that it might elevate the stack enough to play it too. So, Alex, it's time for the conversation that nobody wants to have, but everyone <laughs> needs to have it. Your Chicago Bears, <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. Man, I'm telling you right now, I'm hearing a lot of hype surrounding him. And one of the reasons being that he's just very cheap. It's such a strange team. Number one, David Montgomery did return to a full practice. He's questionable, but I expect him to play. Remember, there's no probable designation in injury reporting in the NFL anymore. But Allen Robinson's getting a decent amount of ownership as it currently stands. But then you've got somebody like Anthony Miller, who I think is going to have a, a pretty solid year. Of course, a lot of that's contingent upon whether or not the quarterback play is brutal again. But I think you get a pretty solid season from Miller. He's getting no ownership at all at that 5K spot. Uh, Tariq Cohen getting around 6%. Kenny Galladay doubtful on the other side. Is this a sneaky stack that we should be talking about on both sides of this game? Or is it one that you'd best avoid? Based on what you're saying about there being a lot of hype for Trubisky, maybe not the sneakiest one. But yeah, I think though, I'm sorry. I, I think what you're what I mean by that though is like you have a couple. You have people talking him up more over the past couple of days, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if that's going to influence it enough to the point where Trubisky becomes chalk because I don't know. It, it, are people really? You you tell me. Are people really going to flock towards Mitchell Trubisky? I think he's a good play. I mean. I'm trying not to be a homer here. I, I did go to a few Bears games last year, and uh, I saw his sucking uh, in person. So I, I know the full downside of Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> um, but the thing is, uh, he did beat Nick Foles in the quarterback competition. I'm not totally tossing that aside because Nick Foles, although he's below average, that would still put Mitch Trubisky at at least below average which uh, versus Detroit, my other team, is, uh, is probably going to be good enough to justify playing him. And uh, Allen Robinson is just such a great fantasy player, and I like Anthony Miller as well. And then you got Jimmy Graham. He's actually expensive this week for some reason. It's a scratch that. I'm not going to play him, but um, Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller definitely are guys you can stack up with Trubisky. All right, Spags, I'm wrong. Look at Chad blowing up over Mitch Trubisky. Uh, And actually, in a favorable fashion, I want to say thanks to Garth. Garth, you've been awesome recently, man. We appreciate all of that support and that 
$50 super chat. He says, look at that stack for on the contrary. Good to see Spags making a guest appearance. Keep it up, fellas. We appreciate you, man. Uh, yeah, looks like looks like Mitch is going to get a little bit more love than we initially anticipated. I mean, well, he's on the thumbnail for the video, so I think that's <laughs> probably a big part of it. I, I like him, man. I think he's a decent play. You know, I, I will never have a ton of Mitch Trubisky just because we know how that song goes. But what Alex said about Allen Robinson being a great play, I mean, the fact that he had a 64% catch rate last year with what Trubisky did and what that offense did, I think is really a testament to his ability. And if Trubisky is a little better, um, maybe if he runs a little more like he did towards the end of last year, though not consistently, it does open some things up for him. Miller, I agree. I think the stack is really an interesting one, you know, still Tariq Cohen there in the mix, even though I, I don't value him as much as some people may. It seems like he'll actually be owned a good amount. I'd rather have Anthony Miller than those guys. But Detroit's defense was so bad. They gave up almost 285 yards uh, through the air last year. There was nothing they were good at. They also lost Darius Slay, who you could argue maybe was part of why they were so bad, because he actually wasn't that good, at least according to like PFF grades and some of that stuff. But, um, you know, I think this Detroit defense is bad enough. And also that... Uh, Matthew Stafford could put up some points on the other side to maybe put that pressure where even if Chicago doesn't want to trust Trubisky to throw a bunch, he might just have to throw more because Detroit can put up points whether they have Galladay in or not. Is the big Marvin Jones ownership uh, justifiable right now? I think it is relative to what people think of wide receivers where you assume that guy is going to pick up, you know, because Galladay's out, there's 10 targets up, and then Marvin Jones is going to get half those targets. You know, that's not how it works. We know that from having watched it enough times. But I get the ownership why people would think that's good. I think Jones is a sneaky play, you know, for like for the team who drafted the people who drafted best balls. Like, I get why you'd go there because he was probably better than Galladay on a per play basis. But I think Amendola is the sneakier play out of these guys. Um, Hawkinson also going to be owned. I don't want to be there, but you know, I don't hate it. It's just I, I think there are smarter plays to go to and go in Amendola, um, you know, who's going to be a check down guy. And maybe that's the way Jones doesn't get there. I think there's some opportunity there more than taking a very chalky Marvin. Spags, one one overlooked spot uh, that is getting sub eight percent higher game. Every player outside of George Kittle is San Francisco and Arizona. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals right now on the road, they're coming in as uh, seven-point dogs, 48.5-point total. Some points expected to be scored here, but with this air quality alert uh, and, and issues out there with these wildfires in, in Northern California, I don't even know if it's going to play. So I, I'll just caution everybody watching this now to pay close attention to it as we lean closer to lock and, and be sure to have some contingency plans in the event that for some reason it's – it will. We will know. I can't imagine we don't know sometime tomorrow morning. But you know, on the West Coast, we might get news a little bit later than we need. So let's just assume that it plays. George Kittle goes up against an Arizona defense that was 32nd in DVOA against tight ends last year, according to Football Outsiders. They got smoked by them routinely every single week. Uh, and now you've got them coming into their second year for Kyle, Kyler Murray, for Cliff Kingsbury. First year for DeAndre Hopkins at 6,800 on DraftKings. Um, what are we doing with, with either side of this game, knowing that Debo Samuel, by the way, has been ruled out? So you're, Brandon Ayuk is also questionable. So there are a lot of concerns as far as the receiving core goes. Jason Verrett's out on the defensive end. Um, I'm really fascinated by both sides of this game, Spags. Maybe I shouldn't be. 
I'd certainly get it. I mean, Arizona played with a ton of pace last year and opened up a lot of offensive opportunities for anybody who went against them. And even last year, Garoppolo had some of his best days against Arizona. So I get why people might want to go that way. But um, the guy for me is, again, assuming this game plays where it is really weird out here in the West Coast, where even down here in L.A., like I live downtown, you it, it was orange and it was, it's been gross and kind of you could smell something weird in the air. So wouldn't shock me if it didn't play, which would bum me out because I think I said this on our Splash Play podcast where we're doing a bit where we're doing our ride or die picks where you could pick one over under or one bet rather or one fantasy play of the game. I think Raheem Mostert could win somebody the millionaire maker this week because I think he's an amazing play against Arizona, given how fast they play, given how bad that run defense was, given the fact that Mostert, you know, I think won this job last year in a meaningful way. Not a great pass catcher, but a guy who's got a ton of touchdown equity for them. And um, I think this is a game where he lays it down for 27 point implied total for San Francisco. Like, I think Mostert is one of the top running back plays on the slate. And people won't get there because they all remember last year where, you know, he wasn't reliable, but. I, I, my gut tells me that's shifted now. They paid him too. Like they had no reason to pay him and they paid him. Like I think it's going to be a most dirt day. And I think at under 10% ownership, like that could be really big, assuming the game plays. Well, then, Alex, Spags must love the 52 and a half rushing yards <laughs> prop on DraftKings for Raheem Mostert. I, I, I can't imagine you don't. We're going to give our favorite bets and favorite props at the end of the show. And then by position, we're going to quickly hit on our, our favorite low owned pivots to close this one out. But I need to get your overall feelings on San Francisco and Arizona, assuming they play, Alex. Because, hey, this total is, is rivaling the highest on the slate, but no one's really talking about it. As far as ownership looks at the current time, you're not seeing much on that either. It's a half point below Seattle-Atlanta, which is the highest projected scoring game on the entire slate. Yeah, I think uh, San Francisco's offense is definitely intriguing uh, this year and today. Or, I mean, tomorrow. I think that uh, Kittle, I mean, he's always a great fantasy option. I think that he's probably the top tight end with uh, Kelsey playing Thursday. So if you have money to spend up a tight end, Kittle's a great way to do that. And he makes a nice stack with Garoppolo as well. Uh, But uh, San Francisco is a run-first team. And uh, I I think Jarek McKinnon is going to foul up this rotation a little bit because... He's their third down back, and that that's going to take Mostert and Coleman out of the game a little bit. Um, some for some reason, people even drafted McKinnon in season long. I didn't understand that at all, but uh, it does make me a little cooler on Mostert and Coleman. Uh, and but I think if you stack up the the passing attack with San Francisco, you should run it back because it is a team that likes to run first. So that's tough to do. That's the problem where. You got Hopkins kind of being on a new team, and you don't know what to expect there. And he's pretty much the only guy that you can you can count on because Fitzgerald and Kirk they're they're gonna get hit uh, by Hopkins being on the team, and then uh, they don't really have a tight end to speak of. Uh, so I don't know. Are you guys gonna take shots on Garoppolo and then run it back with Arizona Spags? Are, do you have any love for Garoppolo? I, I get Garoppolo, and I, I probably should have a little more, especially now that I, this is one of my things I'm going to miss the most about not doing the show on a weekly basis. Thanks, I'm sorry. I, I want to point this out before you talk about Garoppolo. Debo Samuel on IR, they just placed him on the IR, by the way. Damn. The short-term IR or the full-season IR? Short-term. He's out at least three weeks, so the guy's oh. probably missing a month. But go ahead. 
Yeah, so like one of my favorite things is where I have or I dig my heels on something and Alex nicely goes, maybe not so much. <laughs> That's basically what just happened here with, with most stairs. So yeah, like I think for me, I do want to get some guys in there, some stacks just to kind of go to leverage against the fact that most stairs might not have the outlier day that I'm that I'm hoping he has. Uh, but I think, you know, what we saw of Garoppolo, if there was one team he actually looked good against last year, it was Arizona. And I think that's because, you know, defensively, they just have nothing to offer in that secondary. And that hasn't changed. You know, they added Hopkins. That took away a lot of money that could have maybe made that defense better. And uh, they haven't. So I think Garoppolo, it's just hard. You know, who do you go with? Do you want to go back to Kendrick Bourne or somebody? If, if uh, Brandon Ayuk is out in addition to Depot, like uh, for the second guy you're stacking with Kittle, like I don't know who it is. So uh, that would scare me. But, you know, Kittle uh, with Garoppolo, if you could figure out the third man in the stack, it's certainly something to have some of. Tomorrow's lineup looks awesome here on the awesome.com YouTube channel. Stick around all morning and afternoon. It's the NBA DFS strategy show at 9 a.m. Then you've got the MLB strategy show. Then you've got the, or I'm sorry, not the MLB strategy show, the, N, uh, the NFL deeper dive with Alex, Ben Ross, and myself. Then you've got the injury report with Matt Kajewski and Terry McBride, two really sharp guys. Get to know them around here. They'll be sticking around. And live before lock with Josh Engelman, our guy, and Greg Ehrenberg. So, all the way leading up and emac and greg are going to take you up until lock for this showdown slate dallas cowboys i think it's dallas cowboys and rams right sunday night yep. football i believe that yeah is. so we, we got it all be sure to stick around let's hit up our favorite position pivots and low owns contrarian plays but before we do spags and alex are there any spots yet that we haven't hit on we're going to go game by game tomorrow on the deeper dive get to everything so please fret not but uh, Alex, you first, then uh, Chris. Any games, spots right now, low-owned stacks, over-owned stacks that we haven't hit on that you think we should? Um, man, I, I, I kind of like some Jets, maybe. Uh, they have a rough matchup versus Buffalo. But, like, just no one thinks the Jets can do Jack this year already. Uh, everyone's written them off, but they're a football team, and they have uh, production that's going to be spread around. So I, I'm taking some shots on them because they're cheap. Uh, so I think that Le'Veon Bell is going to be a target of mine. Like, the workload is in question. Like, there's a lot of bad news coming out of camp. But if, you know, if, if some of that was just, like, hyped up a little bit too much, if he's getting, like, two-thirds of the snaps over Frank Gore, which I think is reasonable... I think he could be a low-owned guy that, that wins people money. Spags? Yeah, I mean, obviously that game, my, my, my good friend Josh Allen on the other side, who I have to say his name at least once on and on the contrary if I'm here, so make sure Lafayette to carry that legacy on of at least just <laughs> saying Josh Allen's name so he's in the mix. But um, I, think he's, I think he's an intriguing guy. But um, honestly, Philly, I think now is a team that I'm going to have more of um, Lafayette and I had talked about before the show, like Carson Wentz is popping up a lot for me. The projections have now like leveled out where he's not going to do, I think, quite as much as he was coming up in my crunches. But uh, I think there are some ways here where the pass game benefits from not having Miles Sanders in there because Miles Sanders kind of established himself as that bell cow back when he was healthy down the stretch last year. And now not having that in the mix, I think you could lean on Zach Ertz more. I think you could see, you know, some of these other guys, Deshaun Jackson. I think his ownership actually is now getting more appropriate. He's under 5% in the most recent run of ownership on Osmo Plus. So that looks really interesting to me because we know Deshaun's a week one guy. We know the potential is here against Washington, who another team, I, I don't think they got better in the past rush, but that secondary is still not that great. So I think there's some ways for it to go well for Philly and I'll, I'll have Carson Wentz, even though it feels like walking off of a plank every time I play him. 
Yeah, it does. And outside of Jackson and, and Ertz and Goddard, uh, three of those guys whom are going to be popular, it was surprising that Jalen Rieger was not only removed from the injury report all to, or was not only set to potentially play, but was removed from the injury report altogether. He was expected to miss potentially three weeks with that shoulder injury trying to tackle on an interception in practice, but <laughs> that's for another time. Uh, I, I think, though, Boston Scott is – it's going to be very difficult for me to get away from Boston Scott. The front seven for Washington is very good, yes, no question. They're going to they're gonna make things difficult running the football. But there were four consecutive weeks last year against New York, against, the, against Washington, Dallas, and then New York again – where Boston Scott had six-plus targets and then was six of six, six or seven of seven, six of six, four of six. Boston Scott can be heavily utilized in the passing game. And when you look at the rest of the options on this team, I get it. Doug Peterson probably mixes guys in a little bit. But who else are you really looking to? Corey Clement is not somebody that you're going to feature uh, as a rusher. They really don't have anybody. So... I get it. Boston Scott's going to be super popular, but this is actually a spot where with Sanders not even traveling to Washington, I will happily eat the chalk in a spot like this. All right, guys, let's get into some positions. Alex, at quarterback, we've talked about a bunch. Who are we looking to that right now is pretty much going overlooked and makes for a good contrarian spot? By the way, quarterback position, not as important in in, in this respect as others, but we'll hit on it anyway. I think uh, I'm... I don't think this player is going to be super low-owned, but I, I want to push it back against this narrative that Phillip Rivers is going to be game-scripted out of this Jacksonville-Indiana game. Or, sorry, yeah. Um, like, the spread's only eight. That's the highest of the week, but that's not insane. And Jacksonville may surprise some people. Uh, so I think that Phillip Rivers... Uh, I, I saw a bunch of people like talking about how he's going to get game. Uh, he's going to be running all all day for Indianapolis. Phil Rivers is five percent owned, but I'm definitely looking at that as one of my top stacks. Spags, uh, it's got to be Teddy Two Gloves for me. Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is in a spot here where I'm willing to see and hope that I'm right that he is going to be a guy who can do more. And I just think looking at the 2019 sample from uh, from New Orleans, it was a team that didn't throw deep a lot with Drew Brees either. Um, I think it's a different offense. I think they they brought him in for a reason where they thought he was a bit of an undervalued asset. And for me, he's uh, under 5%. I That's the chef's kiss emoji. Well, I, I'll do the actual kiss uh, for it. I think it's Teddy. All right. Love it. Uh, think Green says Boston Scott must play or just stay with Gibson at 4K. Honestly, if they're if they're playing in similar roles, except one team's playing from with the lead, I, I, Gibson's going to be utilized. But right now, with with the Miles Sanders news, I'm personally uh, on Boston Scott here. Uh, I just have a really tough time getting away from that. Um, quarterback for me, I, I was going to go with Teddy with you, which which makes me sick. But I, I think there's a little bit of interest I have here in Cam Newton. He's when healthy, always been a very capable fantasy producer. Is he still going to have the same rushing upside? I would imagine he does have plenty of that. The only issue I have with Cam Newton is who do you comfortably pair him with? Like Harry, James White, Julian Edelman. It's, it's really hard to say, uh, and, and I don't feel supremely confident there. So uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Terod Taylor. And 
as ugly as this game could be, and trust me, it can be ugly. You're also supposed to, we're, we're likely going to have a storm or rain coming in in Cincinnati. Another thing to, to pay close attention to because that could make things even uglier here. Uh, I, I still think Taylor has the pass, the, the, the options, especially if Mike Williams plays, to be able to really utilize everybody at his disposal against a young, inexperienced, and probably pretty awful Cincinnati Bengals defense. All right, Spags, running back position, who do we got? I mean, I guess I have to go Mostert and hope that he doesn't get uh, air qualityed out. <laughs> it's, it's 2020, man, all these curveballs with COVID lists and air quality concerns, it's too much for me, but I think for me it's Mostert under 10% projected ownership. I still think you know the pass game work is a bit of a concern, but I think he gets enough touchdowns to make it count, um, so he'll be my, my contrarian play. All right, you're loving him this week. I like it. I, it heels in. That's my new move. I'm just going to say incorrect things and then really, really hammer him <laughs> home just so people call him a man of conviction. Alex, who do we got at running back? I'm going with James Robinson. I mean, this guy is, like, interesting because, to me, he's, like, the same price as Antonio Gibson. Uh, I mean, a guy that's much less touted. Antonio Gibson was, like, a high draft pick. James Robinson was undrafted. But... Antonio Gibson is someone that, that's not even starting this week, most likely. James Robinson has no one behind him on the depth chart to, to really be that uh, rushing running back. So I think James Robinson is going to be a staple of my lineups this week. Uh, just the opportunities there. It's not about uh, talent at all. It's just kind of like if you run 14 times, maybe, maybe you score some fantasy points at 4K. I'm going to go with Marlon Mack. It's sketchy. Again, as we discussed earlier in the show, you have to get both right. Maybe you don't. Maybe they both go for 100-plus yards, Mack and Jonathan Taylor. But uh, I, I really do envision this being a spot where they can throttle the, the Jaguars on the ground. They've got really the best run-blocking line in the league. Everything adds up for somebody like Mack, who amassed 1,100 rushing yards in only 14 games last season, even with Jonathan Taylor here. Uh, I still have a lot of interest. Now, can I go super heavy on him? No, because it might be Jonathan Taylor. Frank Wright might go with the hot hand. It makes it a little bit difficult, understandably so. But I do think, and I'll leave you with this, I think one of these running backs from the Indianapolis Colts is going to have a big game. Now we just have to figure out which one it is as eight-point favorites, and I think actually the highest implied total on this slate. Alex, wide receiver. I'll go with Enkeel Harry. I think that uh, he's a guy that he missed most of the last year, but he was a high draft pick. Um, the when picturing the Patriots, I think they're going to run a lot this year, but I don't know if Edelman and Cam Newton will really like gel that well because Edelman's kind of like that possession receiver, and that's not really Cam Newton's game. He's more of a flashy player. So I'm hoping that since Enkeel Harry has never really, like, started an NFL game that maybe I get him before everyone else does at 3%. All right, Spags, wide receiver. I think I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stack my picks up. I'm sort of – I was between going – with one of the Carolina guys who are getting a little bit different, but I feel like I'll just, I just got to say it because somebody also who got, who got censored out, it seems by the YouTube chat, called the Teddy Bridgewater pick and, and effing dumb picks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for that guy, I'm going to go, you know, even more contrarian to Robbie Anderson, big play, Bob Anderson going to come through. They signed him for a reason. Cause this is what they, I think this team is much sharper than people realize based on some of the people they hired in the front office. 
And I think they brought him in for a reason, and that's just to throw the ball and hope he can get underneath it. Um, so Robbie Anderson, on basically not going to be owned. I'm, I'm happy with him. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with another speed guy. Talked about him in the same game uh, as you just did, Spags. I'll go with Ruggs. Yeah, he's not super cheap. Sure, I have some concerns about him, but that's kind of the whole point of this, right? If, if we didn't have concerns about some of these contrarian, high-ceiling, low-floor guys that we're discussing right now, then, well, this segment would be useless. Uh, it's, it would help no one for, for Spags to say how much he loves Devontae Adams. It, it's, it's just, you know, not going to do us any good. But I, I think this sits up it, – it's uniquely set up for – for somebody like Ruggs to, to have a good game here. And you know what? Just because he's a young rookie receiver doesn't mean he can't put up numbers. Look at Marcus Brown last year in week one against the Dolphins. Huge game. If you played him, you were winning tournaments. Uh, so can he do it? Yeah. Is Derek Carr Lamar Jackson? Obviously not. But can you get the ball to Ruggs pretty much anywhere and let him do the work after the play? Yeah. That's why I'm such a big fan of Chris Godwin because of what he can do after the catch. I think, uh, I think again, uniquely set up to, to excel in this matchup against the Carolina defense that has seen more turnover than any defense in the league. Let's close it out. Uh, the, let's close a segment out, Alex, with tight ends. Who do we have here? Kind of a tough position this week. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. I, I didn't even know we were doing tight ends, so I'm, I'm scrambling here, but... Wait, Jordan. What Reed are they? Is... Chop liver, man. Tight end. <laughs> tight ends don't get any love. We did. Anymore? We did discriminate against tight ends over the yeah, last. Yeah. What's few years. going on, <laughs> man? I guess um one guy, uh, Chris Herndon, he was really good. Receiving. I love Herndon. This yeah. Week. He he was really good two years ago, and then last year he missed the whole season due to injury. But uh, maybe maybe he he'll be even better because his rookie year he was exceptionally good for a rookie tight end. So maybe as a third-year player, he'll be even better. Seems like most of the, the, the good tight end spags are actually getting that 8 to 10% ownership. Like, people are on to them. Is there, is there anyone at lower ownership that does stand out as a potentially strong play? Uh, Jared Cook, I think, can be there under 1% projected ownership. Maybe that's the way that Michael Thomas doesn't have the outlier day. Um, you know, I think he's shown the ceiling before. Certainly a risky play, not one. I would trust a lot of it for the sake of the game. I feel like Jared Cook is probably qualifying for me. So Rieger hasn't practiced in what, like three weeks, two weeks or so. Uh, you've got Alshon Jeffrey on the pup list. Miles Sanders out. I, I think you could see a pretty solid game from Dallas Goddard. A's, I'm sure he's recovered from that concussion after he got the shit kicked out of him on that that sucker punch in a south dakota bar uh, <laughs> dirty cheap shot for sure but he's 4.6 percent owned forty one hundred dollars if philly struggles to run the ball i think you're going to see some short intermediate to intermediate routes especially if pass protection becomes an issue wentz might look to get the ball out of his hands roll out get some short passes to guys like dallas goddard i'm pretty intrigued by him sub five percent he's getting the same ownership as jordan reed right now so, uh, yeah, Dallas Goddard will be my guy. There it is, segment uh, quarterback, what running backs, wide receivers, and tight end. Knock those out. Our favorite contrarian spots going from position by position for week one. What do you say we close it out, uh, Spags? Again, really happy to have you. Follow the Splash Pay Play Pod on YouTube. Uh, he threw that in the chat as well. Check that out. Listen to him and Pete Overzet do their thing. Uh, 
from we I think what is it Tuesdays and Thursdays you release shows? Yeah, we're basically doing them right after the games on Thursday night and after the game on Sunday night. So we're going. We wanted to get it out like as soon as possible for the the hottest of hot takes. And yeah, subscribe. I'm dropping the link in the chat. But please help us out. Get us some subs over there. And uh, yeah, that's I appreciate you guys having me back on because a pleasure seeing Alex's face once again in Lafayette. We didn't get to do enough shows last year, so I got I got 100 of my Osmo shows with Lafayette this year. That's what I wanted. I think I can speak for Alex in saying we were real happy to, to have you agree to come on week one with us. Uh, and, hey, help support us. The easiest way you can do it is hit that thumbs up. we got 194 likes, about 700 people watching. Let's boost that, man. Come on. Let's get that up there. It makes you a better player as well. You're going to win more. You do good things for other people. You know what they say, no good deed goes unpunished. Okay. Probably shouldn't have used that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Spags, we'll go to you. A couple of your favorite props for this week. Remember, guys, oddshopper.awesomeo.com. It's awesome. Not even kidding. During this show, I was just I was like, let me go find these props. And, and I, immediately I start going over to DraftKings, and then I realize, because Oddshopper's new, I can go in and I can just type every player's name in that I want, and their props pop up for whatever I want. It's right there in front of me at my fingertips. It's so awesome. Uh, and we've got a million different offers for new books if you're signing up in these books and you're getting into sports betting, don't do it without coming here. Massive, massive sign-up deposit offers that we've got across oddshopper.com for all of these books. What do we have, Spag? I think for me, I'm going to take Alex's contrarian QB game. I like the uh, over 1.5 touchdown prop for Phillip Rivers to throw for. Um, he's got slightly better odds on him. And he had really full credit to the, the tech team for Osmo with John Christie, Jake, a lot of the other guys uh, behind the scenes as well. Because this, as Lafayette mentioned, Odd Shopper is really a beautiful looking site that gives you everything laid out really cleanly. And um, yeah, I feel like just a little bit less juice going to, to Philip Rivers with the best bets on Odd Shopper than there is for Teddy Bridgewater. So I'll take that and I'll, I'll take the one and a half touchdowns for Philip Rivers going over. All right. I'm going to go with Marlon Mack, man. He's going to be the death of me this week for sure. Uh, <laughs> And by the way, Spags, you got to be on most or over 52 and a half yards, right? Oh, that's a good one, too. I just know the Rivers one. I feel like, you know, relative to air quality and other <laughs> issues, right. it's like right. maybe be right on one thing. I feel a little more confident with Phil. I'm going to go Marlon Mack over 52 and a half yards. And you know, one more. This guy's getting no love. Aaron Jones is really in a strange spot because everyone says, oh, they drafted Dylan in the second round. What's going to happen? Well, they didn't draft any receivers either. Uh, and this Minnesota defensive line, they're going to have some struggles. I think the Vikings' run defense is really going to struggle this year. Just throwing it out there now before the season begins, I think they're really going to struggle. Last year in week two against Minnesota, 23 carries for 160 yard, 16 yards and a score, 154 yards on 23 carries and two scores against Minnesota in week 16. Uh, he is over his last three games. He has been over 70 yards in all of them, especially last season where he accumulated almost 280 combined yards. I like Aaron Jones to get over this number. He's still going to be the feature back here. Wouldn't be surprised to see another 20 carries in a competitive game. Alex, it's all you, man. Close us out. I like, uh, Oh, this is funny because it was my contrary in running or one of my contrary in plays is Le'Veon Bell. His, uh, DraftKings rushing prop is 57.5 and I'd take the under on that I mean the Jets running game really is bad and then the, you throw in Frank Gore Frank Gore is only useful for like running down the middle 
So I just think Le'Veon Bell is not going to get as many plays of that nature. So I'm, I'll take the under on Le'Veon Bell rushing. And then I'll take the over on Josh Jacobs rushing. His prop is 78.5. Wow, that's a good one. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking that, like, even if you assume that he runs 20 times, which is uh, lower than I have him, you multiply that by four, you're at 80 already. And then, like, actually, the Raiders averaged 4.3 yards last year per attempt. Carolina's run defense stinks. So I just think that this has got overridden all over it. I love that Jacobs prop. Hitting the over on that for sure. Spags, we'll leave you all with this. We love you guys. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, as always, it's been a great show kicking off week one, and we're going to continue to do this for the next 17 weeks, and I'm sure you'll be with us tomorrow morning as well. Greg S. says, we need 100 yards and TD pick from Spags before he goes. You and Josh Engelman made that a staple of the Live Before Lock show in 2019. Josh Engelman was the biggest mush I've ever seen on the 100 yards and a touchdown picks. So let's just go ahead around the room. We'll close it out here. We could do this for another hour, but, you know, in fairness, we got to keep some of this information under wraps for tomorrow's show. What do we have, Spags? Hundred. I know I'm throwing curveballs. We didn't plan on this. But I love I think, it. That's that's the kind of hosting I like to see. Keep everybody oh, you, on their you, toes. Absolutely. We're all equipped to make this happen. So who do you got? Uh, I think I'm going to go. So this is where I, I guess I'm just really big on the Colts and the Panthers, which I knew, but uh, I'm going to go T.Y. Hilton getting the 100 yards. Have you TV. made a pick that wasn't? From neither of those two. <laughs> I, you know, Boston Scott's okay. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm so sad to not be able to see Josh go down in flames one more year. The best part of it was when he broke the schneid last year was that it was with Calvin Ridley getting a 16-yard uh, like run play to get to 100 yards. It was by the narrowest of margins. But he went on a heater because that's, that's our pal Josh. Who I, I miss doing shows with dearly. But, yeah, I think me, T.Y. Hilton's the dude. I think he's a monster play. And, I really hope his ownership comes down a little bit more so I could feel really confident with the asinine amount of him I'll have this week. Awesome. How about you, Alex? Uh, I like this because this is my chance to nuke a player, as they, they call it, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I guess George Kittle is, is someone that is, is really in play for this 100 yards plus a TD because Debo Samuel is out. And then you got Kendrick Bourne, who, who didn't play that much last year, really. And Brandon Ayuk, uh, really high draft pick. But I think that um, some of the guys not being on the 49ers will lead to more targets for Kittle. And you got a good match for, for Arizona there. All right. If I'm going on the radar, it's easy for me, man. It's Devontae Adams. That You're going to see a ton of positive touchdown regression this year. I'd be shocked if you didn't. I expect a monstrous season from him. They gave him no help at the wide receiver position. Minnesota's defense uh, has been mangled in a number of areas, but in that secondary, I don't really trust them to be, the, even if they could, shadow him even if they had 2016 Xavier Rhodes it doesn't matter because Rodgers is just going to force the ball to him no matter what uh if I'm going under the radar I don't really have an under the radar. do you guys Jenny you guys have an under the radar spot where you just think it could be like a, a phenomenal 100 yard and a touchdown guy that nobody's talking about if not it's cool I just thought maybe we had something to throw out there 
me, it's probably Robbie Anderson. I think that's the one. I and yeah. big playboys. I'm all about. That's why the podcast is called Splash Plays. I'm all about the big plays, and that's 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 my under the radar one. I like it. I guess I'll go with rugs. Fuck it. Yeah. Right? Here we got to back our fast guys. We're like Al Davis. We're, I know <laughs> his spirit's gotten into all of us. We just want don't ever compare me to Al Davis ever again. <laughs> Oh, man, that's a good spot to end it. Anything else before we head out, Alex? Uh, my fate of the week is Antonio Gibson. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, fate of the week. That was a staple of this show. How could I forget? Spags, who's the fate of the week? This, will, this is how we'll lead you out. I've said this a hundred times. No, you just can't get rid of me. I, I feel it, too. I don't want to leave either. Marvin. <laughs> I know. I know. My- Who is it? Um, it's Marvin Jones. I think the, the Bears secondary has gotten a little bit worse in the offseason, but I just think if you don't have Galladay out there, um, they have to stop somebody, and it's going to be Jones. So I think that's that'd be my fate. He's too high owned. Steven says Lafayette in a tracksuit like Al Davis. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get the haircut. What's his son's name? Uh, oh, uh, Mark Davis. Mark Davis. I'm gonna get the Mark Davis haircut. Guy loves PF Changs and crappy haircuts. <laughs> he drives a minivan too, if I remember correctly. Not surprised. Yeah. Uh, fate of the week. I'm gonna go Christian McCaffrey. Talking tournaments, obviously, but. I just think the mid-range at running back is so loaded. And if you were to get 30 fantasy points from Christian McCaffrey in a vacuum, that's great. On this slate, I don't think – I actually think without Christian McCaffrey, if he goes for 30, you're going to be pretty satisfied not having him. So in cash, absolutely love him. In tournaments, I really think you can get away from McCaffrey. Unless he goes for like 40, 45 at $10,000, I think you're going to be okay. Appreciate you guys. Spags, we love you, man. We'll do this again soon. Follow Splash Play Splash Play Pod on YouTube. Show them some love. Show them some support. Follow us all on Twitter, at Chris Spags, at DFS, myself, at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And bang that thumbs up before you get out of here. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell as well so you always know when new content coming up next. We'll see you back here soon next week on week two of On the Contrary, presented by Yahoo! Daily Fantasy Sports.